The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All of the tyrant-defying boat rockers who are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina. Actually, I'm not coming live. We're pre-recording the show. I'm just so used to saying that. Uh, But that's due to the time restraints we have for our guest and our setting there. But uh, I am the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, you can head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and you can watch the video portion of the radio show should should you choose to do so. Now, when we go live, we'll be the second video down on the right side of the page. Just click onto it, and you can enlarge it. That's right. You can see the Chia Pet 
<laughs> beard growing face that's made for radio right now. Uh, you can click on that and click on the platform as well and join us in the chat. Lots of people usually show up in the morning. It's always good to see them there as well. And then right above that is where Bradley's show from the previous day is. He comes on live at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and that will change over at that time so you can catch him if you're looking to watch bradley sons of liberty media.com right above that is where you can enter for our email newsletter put your email in there <clears throat> excuse me we don't sell rent or spam your email you get one email from us a day all the articles we have there from me and bradley and our contributors as well as the morning show archive this will be archived uh, later on this morning at sonsoflibertymedia.com. So any of the videos, uh, references, and things that we have, uh, and links to our guest website, all of that will be contained in the archive later this morning. And then finally, if you agree with our message and you would like to help us, we don't ask you for money. It does cost money to do everything that we do, but uh, we leave that up to you and how the Lord leads on your heart. But uh, if you have the ability and the desire to help us and you want to stand with us in our message, then there's a donate button at the top of Sons of Liberty. You can make a one-time donation that way, or you can partner with us as a son or daughter of a Liberty. That link is also at the top of the page. And then finally, there's the store. And um, <clears throat> this week, we are offering our Sons of Liberty dog tags. Now, again, the image doesn't do it justice. It's just kind of to put the colors and the layout and the scheme there from the manufacturer of these dog tags. But they're high quality. They're some thick metal. They're, they're a lot more solid and durable than military dog tags, okay? They got Sons of Liberty on the front, and then they got First John 318 on the back. They come in black and silver. They're $8 a piece, but if you get them through Saturday night, July 17th at midnight, and you enter the promo code LOVE, that's L-O-V-E, you enter that in the promo code at checkout, you'll get 15% off. So be sure to uh, check those out. Maybe you got some young people in your life. You want to get them some gifts. This is a great thing. You can also wear it yourself as a great conversation starter. I've had several conversations with that, as well as the T-shirts and other things uh, that I have as well. So be sure to check those out at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Now, we got a special guest this morning. I think you're going to really appreciate what he has to say and his passion for, what, for why he's saying it. Uh, let me give him a proper introduction before I bring him on. Uh, Greg Quinlan, he left the homosexual lifestyle in 1992. He was an activist for 10 years lobbying in Washington, D.C. and Ohio for the homosexual agenda. And as, excuse me, as an LPN and then registered nurse, he watched over 100 of his friends and acquaintances die of AIDS. He has shared his testimony on 700 Club, TBN, countless radio programs, and has been quoted in USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, World Net Daily, among others. He has a compelling testimony of leaving homosexuality and boldly stands in the public square proclaiming that homosexuality does, doesn't have to last a lifetime. Ex-gays prove change is possible. In February 2016, Greg's testimony is fe uh, was featured in Charisma magazine and in the 2015 video Light Wins. Currently, Greg is a minister and has passionately debated, uh, been debating the gay and anti-family and, tra and traditional uh, marriage in 27 states, including the District of Columbia. He's the founder of the Pro Family Network, was president of PFOX, which is Parents and Families of Ex-Gays, and president of Equality and Justice for All. During the last eight years, 
He has worked as a director of clergy and governmental affairs for the New, Year- New Jersey Family Policy Council. He is co-founder of the New Jersey Living Free Ministries of New Jersey, where he assists those seeking to lead, leave the homosexual lifestyle and offers support for families and friends who have been affected. He is a licensed minister with Solid Rock International Church, and today he serves in Mountaintop Church Assembly of God in Mount Olive, New Jersey, where he's a minister of visitation and where uh, most recently is pursuing his credentials with the Assembly of God. He has more than 35 years of experience of lobbying and governmental matters and is a fiercely proponent uh, is a fiercely a, f- a fierce proponent fighting for the natural family since 1992 and now he seeks to serve the Lord through the center of Garden State Families. It's my privilege to welcome to the Sons of Liberty Greg Quinlan. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. Yeah, great to see you, man. And uh, we had a lively conversation oh a couple of days ago. And I, I don't think either one of us was ready to get off the line because we were talking about the Lord. We were talking about what's going on in our country and how we can see that, that kind of thing restored here. And so it's a privilege to have you with us. And, you know, we just came out of this month that, you know, our presidents, it doesn't matter what political jersey they're wearing, but they're declaring it Pride Month. And the Bible says that God opposeth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride goes before a fall. All this kind of, uh, of language that's throughout Scripture. And um, can you give people a little bit of flavor of who you are, the things that you went through that's brought you to here now, uh, so they kind of understand who you are? Well, my testimony takes an hour, but uh, I'll try to do this in just a couple of seconds. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I was born in a dysfunctional American family, just like everybody else. Uh my father and mother, my mother married a non-believer. That was kind of the start of uh, some the, the dysfunction, uh, making it a little worse. But uh, my dad was a very angry man, very raged. And uh, he would focus on me when he exploded. I, when I was eight years old, I asked him, I said, you hate me, don't you? And he came back as he took the Lord's name in vain and said, yes, I hate you. And that wasn't a revelation to me that was like, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I gave my heart to the Lord in a junior church service, nine years old. Remember it to this day. Um, It was the real deal. And then at 10, I was introduced to porn. We were watching Playboys. And I tell people uh, that Hugh Hefner was my first molester. So that literally looking at that porn, looking at those naked pictures, reading what was being said there, the the suggestive nature, because then it was, we wouldn't even call it porn now, not even soft porn. It's just, you know, art is the... U.S. Supreme Court decided to call it um, uh, artistic expression, but it it turned on the switch, and I became sexually active at 10 years old. Had a heart for the Lord, wanted to serve him, but now I had this thing, and I had to keep it secret. And uh, so I went to Bible college for a little while, blah, 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 uh, ran out of money, came back, became an LPN, a licensed practical nurse, which actually stands for lousy paid nurse, um, then, uh, uh, but was... At that time in my life, I was fighting the same-sex attraction. I was fighting this thing, and it becomes an addiction. Pornography is as addictive as heroin. Don't let anybody tell you that's not true because there is real science that verifies that. The same chemical reactions take place. The same brain wiring takes place, So, it, and, and the same hormonal issues take place, So, especially with the serotonin and the dopamine. Then uh, um, I came out of the – it was commit suicide or come out of the closet, which I did. And uh, it was a relief. It was cathartic. Wow, I'm not fighting this anymore. This is great. This is wonderful. 
Uh, but that's about the same time as the AIDS epidemic hit. And uh, so uh, these guys would ask me questions, uh, especially those who were dying of AIDS, who, who knew they had the, the death sentence as it was then. Um, but all of us are under a death sentence. You know, we will all die. All of us. Amen. It's 100 percent. One out of every one dies. Happens. So the uh, um, uh, they would ask me the questions, does God hate me? Am I going to hell? Would you read my favorite Bible verse at my funeral? Would you do my eulogy? Would you tell my son and daughter what happened to daddy? And I did all those things. And there are stories that go with that. But um, I watched 100 of my friends and acquaintances die of AIDS before I quit counting. Guy was dating, took me to this fancy reception with the Human Rights Campaign Fund, as was called then, the largest gay and lesbian political organization in the country, ranks of the ninth largest of all independent political action committees, chiefly responsible for the billions of dollars in AIDS research and support uh, money that comes from the federal government, which is why I was involved. I thought, this is the organization we need to get the money that we need to fight this infectious disease. It is a virus, and it, it, and it, it's real, so we need to do something about that. So anyway, so I was involved in that, but it wasn't long before I got sucked into the whole agenda. Uh, and I, I was there, by the way, I met Dr. Fauci in August of 1990. He was on a panel discussion for the Human Rights Campaign Fund. They had a little breakout sessions and it was on AIDS. And of course, that's the one I attended. Um, I was uh, in school to get my RN at the time. And I went up and spoke to him afterwards. And it was a very short, it was a pleasant conversation. But he deliberately ignored my question, which was on AZT. That was the drug that was banned for human consumption because it was so toxic. It literally was the cure that killed because the way it cured you was to kill you. So they banned it. He brought it back for people with AIDS. And what did it do? It killed, killed them. Yep. So uh, I talked to him about that. And what he did was he ignored the question and started talking about other things and asking me other questions. And here I am, the nurse, and it, you know, I answered his questions. You know, he said, well, how many people have you, are you taking care of now? How many people do you know have died? Uh, are, do, are you seeing a lot of Carposi sarcoma? Uh, what about wasting syndrome? Da, 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 da. And I had a conversation with him about that too, that wasting syndrome was induced. It wasn't just a result of the virus. It's because when you overload your body with antibiotics, you have no GI tract anymore. You, you, you've killed the biome. So, but uh, he, by and then he had to go. So he never answered the question about AZT and how poisonous it was. And the thing was that there were a lot of people right after I did that, a lot of people, famous people that went after him and called him a murderer because of AZT and the treatment that he did. So his character of, I know better than you, I am Mr. Science, you don't question me because I know science, that's Dr. Fauci fraudulent Fauci and a very dangerous man, a very dangerous man. So I had that conversation moving along, um, was doing all of this stuff. My father was dying, long story short. Um, and uh, I was watching testimonies of uh, people who had left the homosexual lifestyle on Christian television because I'm really involved with Christian. You know, when I get involved in something, I usually that's my character. It's my nature. It's I made up. I just bite into it and I don't let go. So I had to watch what the other side was doing. You know, you people, you homophobic Christian hypocrites. So I watched the 700 Club and wanted to go through the TV and choke Pat Robertson. Uh, TBN, the lady with the pink wig. And then there was uh, the Praise the Lord Network with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker and the Rivers of Mascara. 
So, but I would listen to these testimonies and I'd be so angry. I'd be yelling at the television set. That's not true. You're a liar. I'm born this way. By the way, the idea of being born that way, that is part of the pathology, but the science is crystal clear. No one is born gay. Amen. No one, not Amen. one. We can talk about that later too, or do a part two and three about all of that if you want. Sure. So, um, uh, then I was, I had been to my hundredth funeral, hundredth eulogy. I wasn't going to, I'd still take care of these guys and visit them and do what they needed, you know, as far as, you know, either, you know, give them medication, uh, take them to the doctor's visits, help even cook a meal for them, whatever they needed, because they were truly disabled uh, at, at the point where AIDS just literally takes over or where HIV becomes full-blown AIDS. And so he, uh, anyway, so I'm doing, doing all that stuff, but I, I, was disgusted. I was unhappy. I was very unhappy. And then one night I watched a rerun of testimonies of people who left homosexuality on TBN. And that was Thanksgiving weekend, 1992, after I had voted for Ross Perot, forgive me, Lord. And um, they, I, I watched all, I, I was watching this. And so I finally made the phone call and I, I'm on the phone with this counselor and I'm having a hard time telling him why. I'm calling, <clears throat> that's called shame. So I finally blurted it out. I'm, I'm gay and I don't want to be like this anymore. If there's any hope, if there's any help. And, and deep down, I knew there was hope. I knew there was help, but I was trapped in this lie. And all Satan has is a lie and he's really good at it, but that's all he has is a lie. And the man who committed the, the, the creature, the fallen angel who's judged and condemned already, you know, he, the first sin was pride. He's the one that committed it. And now the homosexual movement embraces it and calls it pride. Yes. So we, uh, it, it, it's just interesting, full circle, how, how that all comes out. So I said the sinners, and I, I told him that, and he laughed a little bit. And I got a little indignant. And he says, no, 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 you're just the seventh or eighth person tonight who's called for the same reason. Not the only one that wanted out of homosexuality at the time. And I'm still not. Even with all the hype, there are people who, who want to leave homosexuality. So... Uh, said the sinner's prayer. There weren't any bells or whistles. It wasn't a catharsis, but I had some peace. was going to church, working on all, all that stuff. But that's how I came back to the Lord. Now, there's more to that story, and some of it has to do with this issue of forgiveness and inconvenient verses, which I'll tell later. But um, one of the things that I am doing, I was trained how to do grassroots activism, how to read legislation, how to lobby my elected official. And I was trained by one of the most professional, respected, uh, and effective organizations in the country and now the world to do those things. So basically what the devil trained me to do, I'm now using for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I, and, and it was, it's the gospel that begins to, it, it, it changes you. I mean, the Bible says that in Christ you're a new, creature, a new creation. Now, some things obviously changed in your life immediately, but then other things you took along to, uh, it took some time to work through, uh, I don't know if you want to touch on that a little bit, because I think it's very important when we see uh, the men coming to John the Baptist, he's preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And and a lot of people don't understand repentance. When you look it up in uh, what the word is, is translated out of the Greek, it means a change of mind. And so we have to change our mind, like what you were talking about there. You said, oh, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to say I was born this way. I'm going to embrace these lies uh, about what I'm doing so I can justify myself. Now, 
you've got a repentant heart because of a repentant mind that God has given you. And that's to say, no, I'm going to agree with God about what he says about what I'm doing. And there's got to be some things. John says, bring forth uh, fruits of repentance. And so people would come and say, well, what do I do? And he would address each one very specifically. What was that like in your case? It It can't be just... I can't go out with this guy anymore. I can't be with this guy anymore. But there was more to it than that. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Well, there was the porn addiction, number one, uh, and the introduction to sex. It was the first thing I did was break away. I uh, stopped going to the bars. I literally disassociated with all my friends. I uh, no longer politically active in that realm and was going to church. And I was starved to death for the gospel. I just wanted more and more and more and more and more and more. But I also was had to learn what to do to change my... Uh, yes, I have a mind to repent, but I have to change the patterns I've developed. The psychologist in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. And in uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice... Uh, and that that's just it. It's our bodies. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the body is a living sacrifice. And then it says, uh, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that renewing translated out is a present future participle. What does that mean? That means that Continually. I've got to renew my mind every day yep. of my life. That's right. Every day. Every day. Uh, and in these days, this toxic culture that we're in where everything – from the computer to the billboards to the radio to the TV to uh, conversations to the music you have to listen to when you walk into the stores because they're playing their stupid stuff, you or in the restaurants that you go to, it, even some of it's outrageously offensive, but you you have to constantly be take the responsibility. There is re- personal responsibility in this walk to follow the Lord. Personal responsibility. You're responsible for the outcome of your life. You're responsible for what you look like, for how you represent the Lord. You are completely responsible for that. So it's by the renewing of your of your mind. So I've got to renew my mind today, tomorrow, the next day, every day. I've got to do that. And then in Corinthians, he says again, take every thought captive and bring it unto the obedience of Christ. So crucifying my flesh, I have to die every day. And I, and I, I acknowledge that. Because I know my only hope, my only help is just what Peter said to Jesus. You are the, where would we go? You're the one with the words of life. Amen. Amen. So that's what I got to do, you know, and I fail some days. I fail most every day in some way or another. Um, But where I was and where I am, praise the Lord. Where I am and where I need to be, I still got a lot of work to do. and And I'm still serving the Lord to do that. And that, that's, you know, one of the proofs of that is God having me here right now just on your show to talk about this openly, to talk about my faith, to talk about how I did decide to accept the manufacturer's guidelines and follow them. Amen. Amen. And, and you know, a lot of people think uh, for the Sons of Liberty that we hate those engaged in homosexuality, and that's just not true. The reason that we speak to them and call them away from it is because we have a love for people. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, Greg, one of the things that uh, the the same Apostle Paul who wrote that in Romans and wrote in Corinthians wrote this in Corinth, and I think Corinth was probably one of the most um, 
it was wicked. a church. Yeah, it had a lot of wickedness that was coming in as people were repenting and they were believing the gospel and they were following Christ. They were still bringing a lot of the baggage that they brought. I, I've told people, I think First Corinthians 11 is dealing with gender benders and God is turning that around and saying, you don't act like that anymore. And here's the authority. It's God, Christ, man and woman. And it's not men or women or women or men. Um, he's, he's reestablishing that for those people who've been involved in those kind of lifestyles. And one of the interesting thing, Greg, and I hold this out to anybody who would hear this, who may be struggling with the sin that you were once dealing with, um, is, is from first Corinthians chapter six. It says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And these would t- terms to, uh, you know, sodomy and such. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says this, and such were some of Amen. you, but Amen. ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. In the name oh. of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I, I, I tell you, when I read that, see, I find myself among the fornicators and the adulterers and the idolaters and even the thieves and the covetous and the drunkard and the reviler and the extortioner. I find myself in, engaged, have, have been engaged in those sins in my life, and God did that for me. And so who am I to look at somebody? I can say, what you're doing is wrong. It's a capital punishment and all this. But there's hope for you if you will repent and turn to Christ. Your life can be changed. And I think there's a lot of people in that movement who are quietly holding on to it. They are shameful, as you were saying before. And then there's others who have just went to the extreme of almost just searing their conscience, if not already doing that. Uh, to where they've just given themselves over to it fully. Let me give an example. We, I'm not going to play the whole thing because I just I don't want to glorify it, but I, I, I do want your comments on it. So let me play just this first part of this. Uh, Bradley's played uh, a couple of this on the afternoon show, a couple of minutes of this. But this is from the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, and I want people to hear, look, I know you don't want to hear it, but you need to hear it because you need to know what's in the mind and the heart of those who are singing this and are pushing this agenda. Here it is. As we celebrate pride on the progress we've made over these past years, there's still work to be done. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you. You think we're sinful? You fight against our rights? You say we all lead lives you can't respect? But you're just frightened? You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked? Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. You can keep them from disco, warn about San Francisco. Make him wear pleated pants, we don't care. We'll convert your children. We'll make them tolerant and fair. At first I didn't get why you'd be so scared of us turning your children into accepting, caring people, but I see now why you'd have a problem with that. All right, I'm going to take it off of that because I think there are so many lies within that, Greg, that it just astounds me. 
nobody is uh, denying people who are engaged in homosexuality rights. What they want is extra rights. Everybody has the right to marry people of the opposite sex. They have a right to build a family with people of the opposite sex. They don't have the right to do what is wrong, and I think that's the whole thing. And this first guy, I got to tell you, his eyes don't change whether he's smiling or frowning or whatever he's doing. I just, boy, it's, it's just creepy. But the fact that they will come out what is in all of our state statutes, and I'll go through some of this a little bit later on, a cap on, I mean, it's, it's a crime. It's a crime against nature. That's how the old uh, words used to be used for, to describe this. And within many of our state statutes, it even references the biblical passage out of Leviticus for the punishment that's to be imposed upon people who engage in these kinds of things. What do you make out of this? This seems to me like, boy, this is the militant sodomites coming out and saying, we're not just after you people, we're after your kids, which is what we've said all along that they're after. Well, they've been admitting that for a long time. Yep. And now they went ahead and put it to music. So uh, as someone who's been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt or every outfit, the whole outfit in every color, um, it, the, the, the deception is there. One underlying part of LGBTQ identity is this innate anger. And part of that, that anger is what the enemy uses to help drive the agenda. So in other words, you don't accept me. I'm going to make you accept me. You're going to you're going to have to do that. And they're never done because you're never going to be finished with looking for acceptance because it deep down your own nature, your own deep character cannot you are you can't accept it yourself. I've never met anyone who was truly happy or satisfied in the homosexual lifestyle. Never. Not one. This is why they're continually trying to change their identity. Look, it's no longer LG. It wasn't just gay and lesbian. Then it became gay, lesbian, and bisexual. Now it's gay, lesbian, a bisexual, transgender, Q, and now it's XYZ. They've nearly tripled the alphabet with identities. Why? Because they can't, they don't understand it themselves. They're looking for a way to, to, to bring identity, to bring substance, to bring acceptance for themselves, not just from other people. And what the real problem is that we've allowed it to happen. There are things that Christians have done that aren't very wise, that aren't very smart. They were hateful, and they were deliberately hateful because they're just – I can tell you just story after story. Um, Here there was a person who committed suicide when I was in the lifestyle, and a bunch of – I was out of town, and a bunch of the people – that I knew went to his funeral and they were met at the church doors by the ushers and said, no queers here. Why is that wrong? Here they were confronted with their own mortality, grieving the loss of a friend. They could have been presented with the gospel, but they were denied. We, We have to understand how to be Jesus, and we don't. We know how to stand, understand this is sin, it's wrong, you're going to hell. None. Okay. Um, all that's true, but there, there's we could do better on how we love, how we express Christ. Uh, Jesus never, never compromised the truth. He was truth himself. Amen. That's, that's his name. He is truth. Yep. But, but at the same time, the, the, he was all for those who were seeking, for those that were hurting, for those that were wounded, he confronted them in their sin 
with, without you know violence or hatred. The ones he went after with with anger and condemnation were the religious. That's right. You know the Pharisees, the Sadducees. You know the the the, the religious. But for those who are lost, he really was there to to take them to be found. He really was the good shepherd that went after that one lost sheep and brought them in. Um, I was at a church uh, uh, long ago now, because I've been at this for almost 30 years. They, um, it was a fan, you know, larger church, fan-shaped, and uh, I'd been introduced and was getting up and getting ready to start. And this woman stood up and started screaming, you know, you know, your Bible says I'm a sodomite. Your Bible says I'm an abomination. Your Bible says I should be stoned. And uh, and people were a little frightened and taken back. Some of the ushers were running over there really fast. And I just put my hands up. Okay, stop everybody. And I said, uh, you're absolutely right. You want me to answer that or are you just here to cause trouble? She got quiet and then she sat down. And I said, you're absolutely right. The Bible says that we are an abomination, something that makes God sick, something that is so far outside his purpose that it makes him want to vomit, literally. And then I said this, and you're right, too. We should have been stoned. By the way, there are a lot of reasons to be stoned. And there are 60 abominations in the Bible, 20 applied to the temple, at least 40 for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you there isn't anybody on this planet who hasn't committed one of those abominations. Okay? Yep. So moving forward. So I said, but there's, there's this illustration in the scripture of the woman caught in the act of adultery. And they bring before her this, you know, we caught her in the act. And I'm like, well, where's the other dude? It takes two, you know. They caught her in the act. So, and the, the law of Moses says she should be stoned. Da, da, da. We, we know the story. But I envision it like this, that they, they throw her at Jesus' feet Jesus walks around her and gets between her and her stones, her punishment. What was that was to deal with that, you know, that, that she should be killed. It was a capital offense, as, as you've said, capital offense. And she gets between them because that's what Jesus did for all of us. He got, he stands there to take our punishment that's why he came. He took our condemnation and he was and, and did that for us if we accept what he did for us. So he stood there between those who were condemning her, those who were ready to enact the punishment, and they left. They couldn't move forward. We know the whole story because we've got just a little bit of time here. And then he looked at her. What did he say to her? Who condemns you? And she says, no one, Lord. Then go and neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Yep. Um, and that this we need to show we need to be balanced. We need to tell the truth in love. It isn't love until you tell the truth. But we need to show what Jesus did was mercy. See, the church is real good at the don't, but we're terrible at explaining the why behind the don't. And when we do that, we see his mercy in it. We see his mercy in it. So I, th- that's, you know, d- just, d- just that example. So that's what I say to, to that. Now, for what they did and what they're talking about, it's pretty bad stuff. It's just really bad stuff, the gay men's chorus. But they're exemplifying and admitting to, now they're calling it a parody. We really weren't serious. It was just, no, you are serious because this 
sta- those statements have been around since I can remember, even since before I came out of homosexuality. There's the gay manifesto. That's, yep. been, a, that's been around for almost 30 years. Yep. Statements like this have been made because here's the facts, and I said it in the beginning. No one is born gay. Quote, there are no replicated scientific studies supporting any specific biologic etiology for homosexuality. End quote. There's not a cause. There's not a study. There's nothing. There's no gay gene. I'll talk about that in a minute. Not a single gay gene. So what do you have to do in order to keep this lie going? You have to recruit, which they admitted to. Recruit, bring you in. I was recruited through porn. See, I believe Satan knows how we're made. He knows how our chemistry is made, how our makeup is made. So he knows how to manipulate creation because that's what a liar does, manipulates the truth. Yep. And he's the father of lies. So with his sin of pride, I mean, how stupid are you to think you can lift yourself above the most high? You know, that's what he said. I mean, that's really pretty stupid. Um, What does that make you, the mostest high? That's not even good English. So anyway, really dumb. But – but he's very clever and he's very good at it and he's destroyed a lot of people. So the church needs to be better at explaining why did God say don't do that? Why did God say wait till you're married? And now we have science that backs it up. It, to me, science, the, what science has done, even though they won't admit it, is they just prove the creator over and over That's again. That's right. That's right. How we are so fearfully and wonderfully made. How, how, it, uh, why the don't is to protect us. That's right. Bear us and to bring us the best we could possibly have in this life, in this fallen world. So that, that's, that's a whole nother part of it too. So moving on to the next part, where are we going here? Well, (laughs) well, let's, 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 let's tag off, let's tag off of that. Let's remind people that, that if you're engaged in sodomy or lesbianism or any of this, you're not going to be procreating. So your line is going to end with you. Your ideology is going to end with you. Your whatever you are is going to end with you. And so they've got to have a way. So that means they've got to go out, like you said, and recruit, or they've got to get in and start calling themselves. They've got to uh, change the definitions of what marriage means. They've got to change what family means. They've got to uh, say, hey, we're a family over here. You've recognized our civil union or whatever, so we should be able to adopt children we should be able to do that so that's how they're going to pass along these things and i tell you greg i I feel for some of these children that go in these homes i I think judges and uh, um, social workers who put children in the homes of sodomites and lesbians i think they are submitting them to the ultimate child abuse, I really do. They're distorting their minds. They're distorting their perception of the world of right and wrong, male and female, and all of this. And I, I want to play this. You you made mention that we should play this little video. It's about two minutes. This is um, a young boy, I think, and he's learning his gay BCs. Take a look at this. Is for I. E is for bye. C is for coming out. D is for drag. E is for equality. F is for family. Uh oh, we missed a page. 
is for day. H is for hope. I is for intersects. J is for joy. K is for cookie. L is for lesbian. M is for Martin. N is for non-binary. O is for orientation. Very good. P is for Paris. Q is for I don't know what that's okay. Q is for queer. Queer. R is for respect. You are currently the only person in this conference. S is for sashay. Sashay. T is for trans. Okay. U is for unique. V is for vogue. You know how to vogue? Yeah. You do? Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Okay, turn the page. W is for wonder. X is for X. Mm -hmm. Y is for you. And Z is for Zens. Zest. Zest. Okay, all right. Now, Greg, I, <laughs> I didn't know some of these words till. I mean, as far as what they're what they're putting, non-binary and stuff, it just sounds weird. I didn't even know the these were applicable people were applying these kinds of things or using them till just maybe a couple of years ago and there here this little boy is learning these words um things that are obviously against the creator in the fact that they're so backwards uh i mean when we talk about getting into homosexuality we're talking about the ultimate kind of twist on the natural order as it were and here you know this little boy is being subjected to this i i, I got to tell you when i was a, a teenager and even preteen, i remember that if you gave somebody a porn magazine if you gave them uh, an alcoholic beverage or a cigarette you were you could be arrested for contributing to the delinquency of a minor now, this is not only here, but I've seen where they've tried to push books like this into into uh, public schools and things. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, l let me give you a story. This is what's happening in the apostate. Uh, oh, I'm going to call it what it is because the Democrat Party is the Democrat Party. And they run the, the show here. I had a donor for the Center for Garden State Families. They have moved away from New Jersey to another state. They owned a preschool. She showed me this. There is a program here in New Jersey called um, Pre-K Our Way. Sounds good. They're real good at labels. Oh, my gosh. They're so good at parsing and let me bastardizing the English language to suit their definitions and their agenda very good at it. Then, um, so anyway, she was doing the program. It was fine. And it was strange enough, this Democrat program, you have to segregate your pre, it's a, it's a grant to, from public schools to do preschool. So they, what the public schools are doing is 
contracting with in, individual preschools, whether they're corporate or privately owned, doesn't matter. But you have to segregate that population through the grant money from your regular population, the paid, the people who pay independently, which I thought is a little odd, but okay. And uh, so she went through the inspection, which she knew she would pass, and she did. But at the end of the inspection, the inspector asked her, where is your bathroom for the transgender children? Did you catch that? A bathroom in a preschool for transgendered children. The oldest child in a preschool is five. These kids are still wetting the bed. They don't know what their sexual identity is. They shouldn't know what sex is. This is child abuse. Amen. This is child abuse. And it has you're not woke. And it's time to provoke the woke. It's time to stop this. This is pedophilia. This is pedestry. This is evil personified. It's it's not even science. It's psychologically, scientifically unsound to do this. And there are practicing homosexuals that think this is a bridge too far. So this is happening here because we have a governor, you know, the man who said that the, the First Amendment was above his pay grade, um, who's trying in competition with Cuomo and Newsom to, to, to be as woke and more liberal as the next one. So this, this is beyond the pale. We've lost our minds collectively. But the only way we're going to stop this is to stand up now and to stop it and to call it what it is. We cannot retreat. The seeker-friendly gospel is not good news. That's right. Come on. Seeker-friendly gospel is to enable your behavior because you're not to be offended. That's right. I've got news for you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is offended. That's right. Remember I said when I was listening that I wanted to go through the TV and choke Pat Robertson. Why? Because I was offended. But being offended first is what left me, let me get to the place where I had to accept that I was a backslidden sinner who needed to repent from my sin and Amen. come back to the Lord. Amen. In the same way that God begged Israel to come to return from their backslidings, there are people, individuals out here who need to return from their backsliding. Amen. Yeah, and they and they're not going to do it unless somebody confronts them in love. I mean, when we yeah. have our and I, this is what I don't understand, Greg. Well, I I do understand it because we're a we're a str- we're a strange bunch. Uh, that God has created. He's created us fearfully and wonderfully exact, but boy, we can hold two opposing opinions at the same time and try to justify those, and they never do that. But you make mention of the of the Democrats. I just want to point something out. Yeah, they do they do that, but I'm seeing a whole lot of the Republicans who just enable them by either not saying anything or going right along with it. We can take President Trump and continuing the Pride Months, putting putting an open sodomite as the um uh, head of intelligence and as an ambassador to our country, uh, going on television with Rudy Giuliani, dressed up like a woman, smelling him as he puts the perfume on, doing all of these kinds of things that empowers that very thing while they sit there and say, oh, I'm for the family. I'm for this, that, and the other. And But it's what they do that gives them away. And it's, again, the people who are silent or are just kind of going along to get along so they're not offensive— those people are just as complicit in what's going on in enabling those people in their sin as the guys who are out there championing it. 
I have a presentation called um, Scripture, Science, and Sexuality, and it's meant for the church. But in it, I prove to, well, the proof is there. I don't, I'm not the one making the proof. The proof is there. I'm presenting the proof. I'm presenting the truth. Um, but if we could go to Matthew 19, verses 3 through 6. Let me set it up. Now, because you always hear from gays, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. I beg to differ. He even mentioned Sodom. I agree. So let's look at this verse, though. This verse is telling. This verse says it, uh, says it all. Puts the definitions in its place. So here, let me set it up. So, uh, you know, uh, Jesus is actually trying to escape the crowds, da-da-da-da, and then the Pharisees come to him. And remember, Pharisees, that wasn't um, something that uh, you were uh, went to. Uh, it wasn't an elective in college. It wasn't your choice of study. You were born to be a Pharisee. You started at age to memorize the Torah. We'd call that child abuse today. But you started at age four to memorize the 600 laws. Yep. So uh, so Jesus is being a little bit of a smart aleck here. So listen to where I'm going here. Because then, he, then they, they ask him, Rabbi, is it lawful for a man to leave his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus comes back with, haven't you read? Like, duh, I know you've read it. You know I know you've read it. That in the beginning, the creator made them male and female. Now, how did he make them? Male and female. How about that? Male and female. <laughs> so it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve or That's Eve right. and Edith. That's right. It was male and female. So in the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And a man shall leave his mother and father. Who's he leaving? Mom and dad. Male and female. How about that? He's leaving his mother and his father, the male and the female, the sperm and the egg. By the way, how did he get here? Mommy and daddy got together one night. That's right. Uh, and made happy. So he's leaving his mother and father, not his daddy and daddy's roommate, not his two mommies, but his mom and his dad, the man and the woman. Mm. You still have to have the biological entity of a sperm and an egg, a man and a woman, the male and the female to make this happen. That's how human beings are created in That's his right. image. Yep. So there we go. He's leaving his mother and his father. And then he shall cleave to his wife. Who's he cleaving to? His wife, the female. That's right. His wife, the female. He's not cleaving to his boyfriend or his multiple boyfriends. So then he says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let's stop right there. What did Jesus Christ do? Perfect God and sinless man in one body. What did Jesus Christ just do? He defined Human sexuality. That's right. yep. He defined the family. He defined marriage. He defined every all, uh, how, uh, uh, socialization. He defined genders. He defined the genders. There yep. we go. All of this. So there, what do we have here? Where's the then? Well, well, there's homosexuality in this. You know what? In this definition, homosexuality doesn't exist because it's not part of the definition. That's right. It's not part of the definition. It does. It's not part of God's creation. God did not make you gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or any of the other, you know, 70-some others that you keep creating. He made you male and female. And you have to accept what you are and where you are because you were created to be that. You're not an accident. It wasn't an assignment you got at birth. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. None of us exists without the knowledge, without the pre-knowledge, foreknowledge of God. That's right. So you weren't a mistake. You might have been a surprise to mommy and daddy, but you were not a surprise to him. Amen. 
All right. So there we are. We had the distinct difference there and the science proves it. Let me I, I quoted the American Psychiatric Association in the beginning. Now let me go fast. There's a whole bunch of things I could talk about. We've got the Human Genome Project with the National Institutes of Health with Dr. Francis Collins, who at the end of that project, a multi-year, multi-million dollar project financed by the Clinton administration, whose sole goal was to find the gay gene. And at the end of it, multiple scientists, da, 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 da. what did he say? What was the conclusion? This is what he says in his own book, Dr. Francis Collins, head of NIH. Um, uh, uh, homosexuality is not hardwired. Hmm. Now, two years, it'll be two years this August, a study comes out, multi-continent study done by multiple uh, uh, scientific colleges and universities, Queensland, Australia, You've got MIT and Harvard. I think Stanford had a part in it, and, and Cambridge from Great Britain had a start, start of it. And here's the sample study. It wasn't the 34 cadavers of Dr. Le uh, uh, Simon LeVay for the brain study, which was bogus. In this study, in this study, 477,000 human genomes. Hmm. Never heard of a study with that large of a sampling in my 63 years of life. Never once in my 30 years in a in the medical field. Never heard of it. Never heard of a study that big. Wow. So and at the end of it, it also included people who identified as LGBT. Scientists who identified as LGBT. And at the end of it, this is the quote. And it was earth shattering. And some people didn't want this to come out publicly. But there were some honest uh, scientists who said, no, we got to do this. Quote, there is no single gay gene, end quote. There is no gay gene. There's no evidence at all that there's a biological reason for you to be the way you are. Amen. Now, when I was growing up, I was a super skinny kid. You know, the one you made fun of, string bean. Hey, Quinlan, <laughs> if you... You, you stand sideways and stick out your tongue. You look like a zipper. Yeah, okay. I had that too. Greg, Greg, we're running up against the end of the show. Can you hang on for a little bit after this? Sure. After and we'll we'll go over a little bit, guys. We're sure. gonna we're gonna hold Greg over. But what I want to do is I want to take time just to show you if you want to see what Greg is doing and uh, and how he's. Uh, uh, affecting change in his own state there in New Jersey, head over to GardenStateFamilies.org, GardenStateFamilies.org, and you can check him out and check out uh, the ministry that he has there uh, promoting the family, the biblical family, the thing we just talked about right out of Matthew there. So if you want to check him out, do that, GardenStateFamilies.org. And if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, jump over on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com or before it's new, well, before it's news.com. We're right there at the top of the page. You can join us there. You can. We're, we're just going to hold Greg over a few minutes because I know he's very busy, and then I've got to get to another interview as well. So we're going to let him finish his thoughts here. And uh, so join us there. Otherwise, we'll see you 6 a.m. Lord willing tomorrow. Adios. Okay, all right, we want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio to us. And, uh, Greg, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but we were kind of up against the clock there. So go ahead and finish your thought. I'm trying to remember what the thought was. You, no, you were I talking haven't. about you were a skinny kid, stick your tongue out, and the zipper thing. Okay, <laughs> temperament, temperament, which I talk about in the talk that I give. Because, you see, what happens with society, if you're a kid and you can't catch a ball or you're afraid of the ball, 
you have more compassion from the worm, uh, you know, and you don't want to put, you know, handle that nasty, dirty thing. You don't want to work on cars. Then you must be gay. If you're a girl and you'd rather play softball and not wear a dress and, and be with your dad working on the car instead of being with your mother in the kitchen, well, then you must be a dyke. That's culture putting those labels on you. That is not God making your or determining your sexuality. That's right. So that's the point I'm trying to finish here. Society does its own damage. Our culture does its own damage. What we need to do as the church is to understand this. Our giftings, our temperament, that's fine. You got a son who is very artistic, not very athletic, then affirm his masculinity in his art. Amen. His ability to sing or his ability to, to make music or play an instrument or, or to draw or make art. Affirm it there with the, the woman. I mean, I mean, so many women these days, they say they're in their 60s and 70s. If I was growing up now, I'd be a lesbian because they say I must be a lesbian hmm. because of the, the, the things I'm interested in. It's nonsense. That does not determine your sexuality, or your sexual desire. That's just your temperament. But our, but our culture and how, how far we have come away from our Lord, uh, away from the creative design, away from what n- nature and nature's God purposed, then we, are, that's, then we are pushing people into places they should never be, where we are encouraging toddlers, to, the word intersex, queer, gay, lesbian, unbelievable what we're doing. That's child abuse. And this is where we have to stand up and stop it. The science is on our side. The science affirms and confirms what we've known all along, that there is a God who created us and we are created in his image and that we are a fallen humanity and he's made a way to restore us back to him. We have to get back to that. We have to take control of education. We have to take control of government. You got to run for your school boards. Start there. But go, but and, and we've got to be careful about who we elect and who we vote for. I understand right now we're always voting for the lesser of two evils because Jesus isn't on the ballot. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He doesn't have to run for office. But in this government, we are Caesar. We make the choices. And some of you need to step up and be that choice to be elected, to run and to vote for it and to learn, to be educated because it's a mess where we are right now. You need to know the constitution, know our government, why it really works. But we also have to be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove, not throw our brains away, but we have to stand for the truth, stand for the truth. And the truth is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And, and, and in that, what we've got to do is press the crown rights of King Jesus because of what you just said. Um, we are creatures. We are not our own. We have somebody who has made us and that we're accountable to. And Greg, I want to end the show with this. If you've been speaking, not, I think you've been speaking not only to those who may be engaged in homosexuality, you're speaking to anybody out there who is a sinner. I mean, that Amen. this is the message. What would you end this with in speaking to those sinners who are yet unrepentant? How, what, what message would you have for them? Think about where you are and what you're doing and how happy you are. Are you really? Do you understand that you are created with a purpose, created, purposefully made, 
formed. It's not an accident. It's not a genetic fluke. You're here for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve the one who made you because the one who made you made you from love. Amen. Determined to love you for eternity. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, you're not so trapped that he can't get you out. You're not so far gone that he can't redeem you and bring you back in. As long as you take breath, you have a chance to know your Savior, to know his love and to love him back. So I would urge you right now to take the time to assess where you are and ask Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life, to acknowledge that you are fallen away from him, that you are a sinner. That means you missed the mark. That's really what sin means. You've missed the mark. That's every human being. So you're in good company, but you need to know your Savior. There is a heaven. There is a hell. You need to understand that perfect love demands justice, and there will be a payday someday. The Lord loves you. He's rescued you. Accept that. Ask him into your heart right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I know, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I know that you love me, and I know, Lord God, that you want me to come to you. Take me, Lord, now just as I am. Change me. Wash me and help me to serve you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, you know, Greg, there is there is a message there of calling people to that repentance. And when you talked about the sin, you know, the Bible says sin is transgression of the law. And the mm-hmm. fact that we know the law because we're creating the image of God, we know when people engage in, whether it's fornication or adultery or they steal something or they kill somebody or homosexuality, they know it's wrong. They know it's wrong when they go into it. They, there is a sense within us because of us being created in the image of our creator that we know that. And so we are engaged in sin, transgressing God's law knowingly, and then that trying to justify. And the message is always that of repent. Just repent. And I, I really believe when people are convicted, man, they cry out to God. Maybe there's somebody that says, I don't know how to pray or whatever. When you get under conviction— just the simple thing of like what Jesus gave. You remember he had the publican and he had the, uh, the the tax collector in the temple together. And the tax collector is beating his chest. And all he can say is, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's all he can say. And the Bible tells us that that guy went down to his house justified. And so mm-hmm. it's a simple message. We don't hate people engaged in homosexuality. We hate homosexuality. There's no doubt because it's against God's law. But the message is the same to those engaged in homosexuality as it is to the adulterer, to the fornicator, to the liar, to the thief, to the murderer. It's to repent. Turn away from that sin. Be reconciled unto God through the death of his son. You were talking about you you kind of saw Jesus as maybe going between the woman and the, the guys who were going to stone her. Well, Jesus stepped in front of who? He put himself between us and God because it's Amen. the wrath of God we need to be uh, saved from. And I've said that over and over again. Our greatest enemy in this country is not the sodomite agenda. It's not uh, communists. It's not Muslims. It's not any of that. It is God because if we're going to disobey his law, he has only one remedy that can keep us from facing utter, utter destruction. That's Jesus. Otherwise, he's going to judge the nation. 
And, uh, mm-hmm. and so the message is for all of us is to repent. Greg Quinlan, thank you so much. Uh, tell people real quickly, again, since we're doing it after we finish the radio show, where they can find out more about you and the ministry that you're involved in. Okay. Uh, uh, the Center for Garden State Families is GardenStateFamilies.org. That's GardenStateFamilies, plural, dot org. We're a Christian family advocacy organization located here in New Jersey. And uh, we work for any issue that has an effect on the family. We're involved in it. And check out our worldview uh, articles. I think you'll really like them. Okay. All right. Greg Quinlan, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. It was great to hear your testimony and, uh, and the message that you've got in working with those people uh, in that area of New Jersey. We appreciate that very much and your time. Guys, don't miss Bradley, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central on sonsoflibertymedia.com. And uh, we'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m. See ya.